a poltergeist haunts my school on Valentine's Day. My family has a tradition that I've always liked. After dinner on Christmas Eve, we head out to my dad's backyard fire pit. There's booze for the grown-ups, s'mores for the kids, and for some weird reason, ghost stories. Not really the most festive activity, I guess, but something about sitting around a fire always seems to trigger them. We did this last year, and I was having a great time. That is, until my cousin Ben decided to tell one. Ben's a science teacher at a local elementary school, and he started telling us about another teacher that died a few years before Ben joined the faculty. The kids were convinced that Ms. K was benevolently haunting the place. They'd invented all kinds of typical kid mythology about her ghost, crediting her when they got lucky, requesting her assistance when they had trouble, leaving notes for her on the board in her old classroom. Just before Valentine's Day, all the kids at Ben's school decorated mailboxes in art class. Just shoeboxes, really, with a slot cut out to shove Valentine's and candy through. These were opened at the yearly party in the cafeteria, and the kids took them home with them afterwards. Pretty cute, until the first year after Ms. K died when the faculty doing post-party cleanup found an extra, unopened mailbox. Its only decoration was the word Jack written across the front. And after figuring out that it didn't belong to any of the students, the teachers opened it themselves. It was stuffed to the brim. No candy, but way more Valentine's than usual. Normally, kids only gave Valentine's to others in their grade, but this box had over a hundred in it. They were the same little kid Valentine's as the regular boxes, movie characters, Disney princesses, etc. The youngest children had simply filled in Jack on the recipient line and put Miss K as the sender which was enough to creep the staff right the fuck out. But several of the older children had also included some brief message. Miss K loves you forever was far and away the most common. The faculty tried to reassure each other that the children had just added a little soap opera drama to their developing legend. A second round of grief counseling was ordered, along with mandatory class discussions about how ghosts weren't real. But the next year, there was another box and there'd been one every year since. My name's Jack, so of course my family teased me during Ben's story. My little sister didn't, though. She chewed her lip, looking thoughtful. And when Ben finished, she asked what the teacher's real name had been. Ben's answer froze my blood. You can tell where this is going, right? In life, Ms. K had been Mia Karasievich, a former friend of mine from years ago. We'd been practically inseparable. That is, until she'd revealed herself to be a manipulative psycho bitch with all the tenderness of a rabid honey badger. She left my heart in shreds, and I hadn't spoken to or seen her since. I'd moved away shortly after the bullshit with Mia, only coming back for Christmas and the occasional Thanksgiving. And somehow, I'd managed to completely miss the news that she'd died. Died and became the patron saint of first graders, apparently. What the actual fuck? I hadn't said a word since Ben started his story, but my siblings and parents remembered Mia well, and the fire pit buzzed with their hushed speculation and excited theories. Forget salt in an old wound. This was salt with a lemon garnish and piranha chaser. I knew better than to try and drag my family off a subject they had their teeth sunk into. 
I muttered excuses and headed inside, grabbing my iPad and heading to the front porch for some quiet, a smoke, and a consultation with Dr. Google. Mia's obituary came up right away, and the photograph made my heart lurch. In her prim and proper teaching outfit, Mia looked more like Snow White than ever, all doe-wise and deceptively sweet smile. She'd looked at me like that the day she'd told me about that guy, too, wide-eyed as a toddler with its hand in the cookie jar, like she had no idea what I was pissed off about. Those were the kind of misty, water-colored memories I was chewing on when Ben found me. All those valentines are in a box in the teacher's lounge, he said, helping himself to a cigarette out of my pack. All of them from every year. I could get you the box if you wanted to see them. Aren't you a science teacher? Why are you on board with this ghost crap? I yanked the pack back towards me with a little too much force. It's not me, dude. For one thing, that lady was a tramp. There could be a dozen jacks. Ben recoiled from the venom in my tone, but I continued bitterness rising. I knew it wasn't fair to take it out on Ben, but I couldn't seem to stop myself. Not to mention that Jack is the most fake, least imaginative name those kids could have possibly picked. It's the ultimate kid story name, isn't it? Jack Frost, Jack Horner, Jack and Jill, Jack be nimble, Jack and the Beanstalk. Ben sat quietly as I ranted on, his face blinking red and green from the garish display across the street. I finally paused long enough for him to get a word in edgewise, and he asked how much longer I'd be in town. When I told him my flight left the day after Christmas, he suggested that we stop by the school on Christmas evening. He had a key, and I could look through the box of valentines. I started in on a list of things I'd rather do, which included root canals and colonoscopies, and this time, he did cut me off. Look, I know you think it's bullshit, and if you're sure it isn't you, I believe you, Ben said. But would you do it as a personal favor to me? I already sent out a mass text to the staff, and they're really excited about this. I'll be a hero next semester, and there's this insanely hot secretary in the office. And that's how on Christmas evening, when I should have been lounging in my sweatpants watching my nephews bicker over Legos, I found myself dashing through the snow in Ben's junker old Corolla. Empty schools are creepy as hell. Without the crowd of bodies and backpacks, the metal lockers and tile amplify every footstep into a resounding echo. And in the half-lit shadows, even the holiday decorations seemed sinister. I screamed like a girl when we rounded a corner and I collided with a papier-mâché Santa Claus. I'm sure somewhere some third graders were proud as hell of their creation, but damn, the uncanny valley didn't even cut it. His bulging eyes bore tiny, furious pupils, and his mouth stretched in a grin of pure insanity. The horrible thing was made even worse by blood-red strobing lights, which I quickly realized were the fake flickering bulbs of an equally mutated menorah. Sorry, should have warned you, Ben chuckled. I guess it's too late to ask Santa for new pants, huh? Let's just fucking get this over with, I growled. Like I said... The acoustics of the place were all distorted, and I whirled at the auditory illusion of small footsteps streaking past us, probably a bird at a window or something, but I was counting the seconds until we got out of there. Ben ducked into the teacher's lounge, returning a few moments later with a large cardboard box and leading me down the hallway. He pushed open a classroom door and hit the switch. I'd thought having proper lights on would help, but somehow, the harsh fluorescence just made everything seem more sinister. 
There were posters about fractions, a banner reading math is functional, desks clustered in a circle. There were posters about fractions, a banner reading math is functional, where the FUN were capitalized and desks clustered in a circle. A whiteboard listed the homework as have a 100% wonderful holiday. See you next year. Ah, math teacher humor. Beneath the assignment way down at the bottom of the board, someone had scrawled Merry Christmas, Ms. K, in small, childish letters. This used to be her classroom? I asked. But I was pretty sure I knew the answer even before Ben nodded. He handed me the box of valentines, then said he'd be down the hall getting some grading done. I nearly asked him not to leave me, but after his crack about pants from Santa, there was no way I was giving him more ammunition. Instead, I headed for the teacher's desk, setting the box down and taking a deep breath. The first valentine I pulled from the box was a character from one of those freaky kids shows, fuzzy and striped in shades of green, with impossibly long arms. Even though I'd been told exactly what to expect, it still sent a chill down my spine to see my name scrawled next to that thing. After a few minutes, I got more efficient, learning which cartoon characters went with each age group. The ones with Elmo, Dora, and that green thing and his freaky friends went in the not bothering to read these pile. I picked up the stack of older kid valentines that were left, flipping through them like playing cards, scanning the brief messages. My eyes narrowed as I read, leaning closer and closer, and I got that feeling, you know, the being watched feeling. I looked up and called Ben's name, but he wasn't there. I heard a mouse-like squeak, but when I looked over, all I saw was the same old whiteboard with its math pun holiday homework and the small Merry Christmas Jack beneath. I returned my attention to the valentine in my hand. Kermit the Frog this time. Nice to see some appreciation for the classics. Then I froze. Hadn't that board said Merry Christmas? Ms. K. Before? I set Kermit aside, moving towards the whiteboard, trying my best to explain away the alarm spreading up my spine. My eyes had still been adjusting to the harsh bright light when I'd looked the first time. Both things ended with a K, and the kids did usually leave messages for me. No, damn it, not me. Their made-up, fairy-tale, fictional Jack. I bent without thinking, picking up the red Expo marker that had fallen on the floor. The word Jack had been written in red, and there were those dirty smudges all around it, the kind you get when you erase something on a whiteboard with your finger. My heart sped up. I was probably just spooked, but it really looked like Jack had been written in smoother, more adult handwriting. As I reached out to touch it, the overhead lights flickered and died. It's embarrassing to remember, but I freaked the fuck out, stumbling backwards until I hit one of the desks and sat down hard on top of it. I was so panicked, I imagined all kinds of stupid things. I struggled to adjust to an inverted world. The room had been hideously bright before. The windows dark. But now the snow-filtered moonlight provided the only illumination in a room consumed by deep shadows. My eyes played tricks on me, producing an afterimage of a darkened, moving feminine silhouette. My other senses heightened and distorted, picking up the faint scent of a live tree somewhere in the building and trying to convince me it was Mia's old clover perfume. I shivered against an imaginary chill, the hairs on the back of my neck prickling as they lied about a presence behind me. And then, the point at which I knew I'd managed to totally spook myself out, I heard
heard a soft voice whisper my name. This is the really fucked up part. I mean, it's so fucked up that I almost didn't include it. It instantly turned me on. I never actually hooked up with Mia. Never even kissed her. I'd come damn close once, though. She'd sounded just like that when she'd whispered my name that night. Full of longing and almost... Almost like she was saying something holy. Almost like Jack was another word for amen. I'd never forgotten it. Believe me, I'd tried to forget, but I'd heard that soft whisper against my neck in a thousand dreams. All those details came crashing back, sending a heated shudder through me that had nothing to do with the temperature in the room. I could feel her beside me, touching me. And although I knew it was merely the onslaught of memory, I could have sworn I felt finger softly stroking my cheek. Despite the dark, I closed my eyes, and tears welled beneath my eyelids. I hated her. I hated her so fucking much. And yet, part of me had always missed her. Missed her deep down in my bones. Missed her like a part of me that'd been ripped away and never replaced. Against my will, against every sane part of my brain, I found myself leaning into that phantom caress. Hey Jack, you okay in there? I blinked at the break in my reverie. Ben stood in the doorway using the screen of his phone as a flashlight. The light hit me in the face, and I winced away. The breaker must have tripped or something, he said. I didn't even realize this section had gone dark until I came to check on you. At that moment, half hard and tear-stained, I was damned grateful for the darkness. Ben said he'd go check the electrical box, and a minute or two later, the light snapped back on. The whiteboard flared to painful brightness before me, and I reflexively checked the corner, which still read Merry Christmas. Jack. Then, I saw the homework assignment. The second line, See you next year had been underlined three times in a different color marker. I'm not sure how long I sat there, staring pale-faced at that board. But I knew that hadn't been underlined before.